Tara Shaw is the best-selling author of Soul of the Home and an interior designer to the stars. She has graced the cover of Aranda, been featured in Southern Living and House Beautiful, and designed for famous names like Restoration Hardware and Harry Connick Jr. Her message is to fill your home with pieces you love and let your personality shine through. We consider her the antiques whisperer because she makes fine European antiques approachable. She is such a sweetheart. We just love Tara and know you will too. So here we go. Let's dive right in. Tara, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Susan, for having me. I'm delighted. We're so excited to spend this time with you, Tara. And I have to tell you that three weeks ago, was it three weeks ago, Susan, that you were in Memphis and the big brown truck came and brought your delicious book and we immediately tore into it. The soul of the (laughs) soul of the home is now one of our favorite reads. Thank you, Heather. I'm, you know, I'm very excited. I um, have been watching the comments on Amazon and I, um, I'm just beside myself. Sometimes I'm moved to tears, really. I can understand. I mean, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. The cover is beautiful. It's one of those books that you don't want to hide on a bookshelf. You want to put it out. When our guests come, they want to sit and flip through it. I've loved watching the reactions of family members and close friends that have been to my home. Your book is fabulous. It's fabulous. And Susan. It is gorgeous. I think I spent, I didn't plan on it, but when I got it and got it unwrapped, I think I spent four solid hours just ooing and eyeing and basically petting the book oh it was just (laughs) and not only is it gorgeous but it is it's really educational I mean you demystified the Louis for me and that's a feat because for 40 years I've just been like "Mm, Louis you demystified all of that for me and I was just it was an epiphany like transitional pieces was an epiphany for me so (laughs) Right. I think, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to really demystify or decode furniture. I wanted, because I had such fear, because when I first started buying nice furniture that wasn't uh, disposable furniture, you know, after five years, I was so concerned about making the about buying the right thing and Mm -hmm. making a purchase that could be with me for the rest of my life. And so I thought, I want to take the fear out of collecting. And if some, if I had this how to book back then, you know, it would have made my collecting a lot. I would have had less angst. You are um, at heart an educator, I think. Because the way you present it, and I have, I, uh, my, probably if I had like a second career, okay, probably I'm on my third anyway, but when I was in college, I wanted to change from pre-med to interior design. And so I've been like a closet, like, you know, (laughs) interior design um, fanatic, I guess. And so I have a ton of books. 
that I've bought over the years from interior designers, but yours was so um, educational. It, it was, um, it was more than just looking at the pretty pictures and this is how I did it. So I think you really did accomplish your goal in helping all of us with our anxiety. And there's another little thing that you do that is just absolutely full of little gems of wisdom. It's your Instagram videos. I love watching those. They're yeah. so fun. They're so much fun. So, you know, I, have never been a big IG girl. And what happened was when the book launched April 21st during COVID, and then we watched, you know, every uh, interview, every lecture and every book signing just closed like dominoes during that time. And I thought, wow, what in the world? How do we get the word out? You know, I love my publisher, Abrams, and they have a UK arm and a US arm. But um, I thought, well, what if we gave these video tours every week on how-tos? So I, um, I never really thought they would catch on, but they have. And I so love it because, you know, I feel that with just a little bit of information, whether you're DIY or you hire a designer, it gives you all these tools for your toolbox that you didn't have before. You know, so you can recreate the bookcase in your own interpretation, or you can recreate the garden, but in your own interpretation. I think that's really what I wanna share is, the how-tos of, you know, if you choose to do it on your own, this is how I did it. So mm -hmm. thank you, Susan. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're working with a designer, I think it gives you the vocabulary to express um, what you want, your desires, so that the designer can help, um, help you create that as opposed right. to just, you know, it really, it really does help. And, the, um, I'm a clutterholic, uh, partly because I'm ADD, and once I put it out of sight, it's out of my mind, literally, but I'm trying to do better with that, and I just loved your um, little tip about the boxes, about hiding your stuff in the boxes. I was like, what if I never thought of that? I mean, they're just, the boxes are beautiful, and then I'm thinking, if it was that pretty, I'd remember what I put in it, so I can't That's wait to put nice. that into practice. Good. So on top of my, in, in my living room, I have this beautiful box, coffered box on top of my altar table or coffee table. So inside that, it houses all the television controls. Like my husband has a box on his bedside. I hide all his stuff in there. And, you know, I do the same on my side. So, you know, the box is, is really uh, a valuable accessory. I am going to incorporate that today, Tara. <laughs> and I'll tell you something else that I want to incorporate that I have watched your, one of your garden videos at least three times. Okay. And Susan and I are huge readers and you are also a big reader. And there's a little symbolism in your garden. And I want you to tell me who or what you think represents you. 
Oh, in my garden. In your it's garden. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you can't tell me, I'll tell you. Okay, um, you tell me. You okay. tell me. So um, I'm studying this lion. I'm so excited about the lion. I've, I brought my 19 year old in the room. Carson, we have to have, she's my LP2, our little precious number two. I have to have a lion like this. And all of a sudden it hit me and I went, the lion is Tara. Wow. And brother Lucas and little sister, brother Lucas, the dog, who was better behaved than any of my children, <laughs> and little sister, your duck, that represents all of us. We are all following around waiting to see your next move. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I could hug you through the podcast, Heather. No, it's uh, um, I remember finding that lion in Cuneo, Italy, and I thought, oh my heavens, because really probably from the 17th century. And I thought, and this is the thing about collecting. You don't, I didn't have a garden at that time, you know, but I did get this larger garden right after that. So I feel as though, you know, your heart will tell you what you need to acquire, really listen to the heart. But uh, yes, I, I'm definitely, um, a mother to two-legged and four-legged creatures. I love them to be. Well, we love the lion. We let him brother. I mean, mm -hmm. brother Lucas, he just sits. He looks gorgeous. I look around in the videos. I'm like, where are the dirty cat bowls on the back porch? <laughs> where are they? Are they hidden yeah. in the box? <laughs> where yeah. are they? Brother, brother Luke is more sophisticated than I am. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. he really is. <laughs> he is such a poser. You know, it doesn't matter what room we go in. I have to really, really pay attention to not interfere with his posing. Well, he is something else. I tell my puppy, you need to act more like Brother Lucas. He, he just, <laughs> he looks at me. <laughs> well, he's 10 and, you know, he, he wasn't always like that. And I had an older whippet, Jack Shaw, that um, was 14 years old. And when he went to heaven, but uh, he trained Brother. And that's really... You know, he really has Jack's personality that, you know, I'm going to anchor the room personality. He oh, is wow. like a little shadow, though, everywhere I go. <laughs> well, I want to talk more about you being, you are fearless. I'm just going to say that. You are fearless. You go out into the field. You travel a great bit. You collect these antiques. You, your background was not in design. It was in education. So I've noticed that with most people who are exceptionally, who, who do exceptionally well in their field, there is a tad bit of imposter syndrome. Have you battled that and how have you handled it? Oh my gosh, boy, <laughs> you really nailed that, Heather. Because uh, I remember when my home, I remember when Veranda came to see me you know, in 1999, and they said, we want to shoot your warehouse in your house. And I thought, oh boy, oh boy, who am I? Right. And then, you know, because I, I esteemed them so, it was like a God story for me. You understand? I'm like, oh my goodness. 
okay, God heard that prayer. So, I mean, I didn't probably pray it that way, but you know, that is probably how he validated me. And then when it made the cover veranda, I remember getting the magazine and I called um, the editor and I said, oh my gosh, that is so sweet of you to mock up my home on the cover. And she said, no, Tara, that is the cover. And I, you know, closed the magazine and I was undone. So <laughs> in 2000, you know, when the magazine came out, I remember being in Paris at, an, at a, a bookstore and there was a magazine on the cover, you know, out in Paris. And I'm thinking, heavens, you know, I can't, it's hard to wrap my head around this. Then when I came back home and Harry Connick Jr. and Jill Goodacre called and said, may we come over? We want you to do this in Connecticut. Immediately, I thought, I can't do this. But then I, you know, I felt like just like all those times my grandmother made me go through the wall of fear that was just another time where the door had opened and uh, I, and I told them, I, I don't believe I had the bandwidth to be a gorilla antiquer because, you know, I'd be in Europe five weeks at a time and a designer, you know, I'm not really a designer, I'm an importer. So I was frankly very honest with them and they convinced me to do that. So yes, that imposterism, you know, I'm like this, ah, oh, what in the world? Uh, but you know, I've said this before, Heather, if they had asked me to roof their house, I probably would have, I would have become a roofer. So um, I think it's just when doors open you have to challenge yourself to go through the wall of fear because I, I feel that they always open for a reason. I agree. We, we, Susan and I definitely agree. I mean, the last thing in the world that we thought we would ever be doing is podcasting. <laughs> that yes. is the very last thing that we ever dream. And we are, are having the best time just meeting lovely women like you and people like you. I, I can't even tell you. It just, you're right. When doors open, you just, you must walk through them. You must. Yeah. It's a must. The fear. Yes. I'm yeah. proud of y'all. Oh, well, thank you. We're proud of you. We're just blown away by you, Tara. We really are. We're completely blown away by you. And I wanted to ask you too, I know that you have designed for a lot of celebrities so you're, yes. you're, yes, you have, you're, see, you're so <laughs> honest. Um, you have designed for a lot of celebrities and I don't, I don't want you to call a, a celebrity name per se, but I'm just curious, not as far as who you've worked with as your favorite person that you've ever worked with, but what was your favorite project that you've ever worked on? Wow. Ah, You know, to be given the opportunity 
to work on a seven-story brownstone, historic brownstone near Central Park was um, a gift. You know, that was really a gift. Okay, I can even guess who that might be. <laughs> can you listen? I have a really good idea because I felt 22 before. I'm thinking maybe. But anyway, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Um, so if you, I have a question from a local Memphis designer. Okay. And she owns a shop here. It's Warehouse 67. Her name is Kim Loudenbeck, and she is extremely talented. But she would like to know if you could choose one designer to design your own home and not you, who would it be? I think it, it would be, I, it's hard for me to select one. I'm going to give you just a few names. Okay. Axel Verboot, one of my favorite minimalists, but yet has a great understanding of antiquity and always incorporates antiquity. Vincent Wolf, I've always adored him. You know, I um, he was not trained in design, I don't believe, and I've just always loved everything he's done. It always feels fresh and ahead of the curve. And Albert Hadley, who is no longer with us, but he carried that same timeless uh, contemporary slash antiquity and made it feel current for the, you know, in his homes. So I'm going to choose those three. Those are great choices. Those are all great those choices. Are good ones. Now I want to talk about the bedroom because I have to tell you that your canopy beds to me are absolutely the definition of perfection because I love the clean lines of it, the canopy. I love, I've always wanted a canopy bed. My husband is, um, he says it makes him claustrophobic. So I'm thinking the two-tone one that you just kind of hides the top of it, I might be able to sneak that in on him. But the padded headboard is the key because normally with a metal bed, you're all about, oh, you know, you're bumping your head and it's like no big, you know, Yours is absolutely perfect. So now I want to find out for all of us, hopefully getting close to empty nesters, what do you feel like is um, some key ingredients for a really romantic bedroom that makes you feel like you're on a second honeymoon? You know, I have always believed in the canopy bed. I've had canopy beds since I was in college. And uh, there is just, I talk about it in the book, I feel like it's instant safe haven. And you know, it can feel open, but yet feel enclosed at the same time. Um, empty nesters, you know, I, I'm so excited for y'all because, you know, you get to turn the page and just experience things in a different way. And um, the romantic quality of whether it's the two-tone canopy bed or the Venetian or the Louis 16, 
I think a lot of times men, the reason we've had so much success with those is because men have embraced them because it's, it doesn't necessarily feel too feminine. Uh, and yet it, it's like a crossover bed. And yes, my husband loves the padded headboard. I mean, I see him, you know, just reclining in there reading all the time. So I just, I just think that it could be a good crossover for you, Susan. I, I hope it will be, you know, as far as that romantic element, because it's sort of like, a, as I've said, a mini teepee. Yeah, I you love know, that. You can actually put linens around it if you want. It's just versatile. So I don't know. You might want to put linens around it and just close it up. <laughs> I, would never, say, I would never get him to agree to that. And say, hey, I'm in here. I have something to you. Got a surprise. I've been here. Come on in. I'm Sarah. I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> You've had some situations in your home that where you needed the curtain up on the canopy. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know about that, Heather. <laughs> we have, you know, I've had almost I have every I have had every one of those beds in my own home like I have the Venetian uh pair of twin canopies in my cabana for guests and I have had the Louis 16 with drapery all around it now I'm in the two-tone bed yes I, I've I've had it all here <laughs> I love that now we have, you know, been empty nesters, we have some young adults that are leaving the nest. What piece um, would you recommend them getting as their first acquisition? Is there one or two, three pieces that you would tell them that that would be a good um, first acquisition of real furniture for them? Right. So, you know, I believe in following your heart. I went out looking, uh, I, I went out looking for a desk because I'm so work oriented. I thought, oh, my first piece I'm going to buy is going to be a desk. Well, I turned the corner and there was this armoire and I thought, oh my gosh, if I don't co go home with that thing, I'm going to really regret it. So I pulled the trigger, I bought the armoire, the armoire landed in the living room, it became the big focal point. I put media in it, you know, electronics and television. And I mean, it anchored the living room, it made, it literally made my living room. Now then that, when I moved to another home, it moved into my master bedroom. Now right now, it's in the cabana. But so I've, I, you, I'm always have a list, you know, I think armoires are great, especially if you want to hide a big television or media and have a beautiful focal point because seating, I'm always working with contemporary seating. So it's going to be the balance. You know, you always start with a hero for me an armoire is a hero or a chest would be a hero that could anchor 
you know, whether it's your foyer or you might use it in a dining room as a serving piece to start with, and then it moves into a bedroom. So armoire, chest, beautiful mirror. I mean, we can use a beautiful mirror over a chest. Uh, you can use it in your kitchen if you have the wall space. So I'm just, um, I'm, I'm really trying to, what I try and teach in the book is to connect um, to your heart. So just like I went out looking for a desk, of course, a desk is practical, especially since we're all working from home now. And uh, if you're not finding the desk, but you're finding another piece, I always want you to recognize that and be able to pull the trigger. What about small items in your bedroom? Because I've, I have heard not to put pictures of your children which I now we moved into a Georgian style home about six months ago. So I've just begun really decorating, but I have left all the pictures of the children out of the bedroom. Do you agree with that? Is that a practice? Do you bring in family photographs into your home, into your bedroom or what, what's your thought? You know, I have a specific area in my library because I have a library that almost wraps around the whole room, except for the windows. So I have a specific area in my, in my office where I have all my family photos in one section. Just one shelf? What well, no, it's, it's uh, several shelves, but it's okay. one section of my bookcase. Okay. So you so, don't spread the you know, no, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I like the idea of keeping them out of the bedroom. Yes. You don't want to look up and see grandma. <laughs> definitely not no, well yeah that's right <laughs> Sarah we are going on your next trip with you okay good it's October if Europe will let me back in that would be so much fun can you imagine I mean, that would be awesome it would <laughs> it would be so much fun it would be so much fun so what there was something else you wanted to ask her Susan um oh i know okay now you this really it made me it gave me warm and fuzzies but it also um it made me wonder um you you were talking in your book about how forgiving antiques are you know they've got that aged patina and their imperfections and that they're forgiving and so you're not worried about you know getting another little dent or ding in them i mean do, or do you really feel free just to live with those pieces so because i work with young people that are just starting to collect that have this love of antiquity and and contemporary and have many children. I, 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 you know, I'm working with one family that has four children. One family has three young children. So the freedom with antiquity for me is if that piece has made it 200 years, what could you really do to it? I mean, what could your family, if it's made it through two or three generations, 
what could your family do to that piece? Tara, you would be That's surprised. That's a good point. <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I know Europeans and they like to have a lot of fun. So I really think that, you know, we just need to embrace things. And so what? So, you know, so what if your child colors on it with red crayon? Get crayon remover. Okay. So what if your puppy gnaws on the leg of the chair? It's just another part of that chair story, right? Well, you know, if it's, it's, if it's so severe, Susan, that we might, you know, have a collapse, I would have a woodworker repair that leg, and then this is what I would do, because I own this in my own house. There's this uh, spray that they sell at, like, Petco that deters the animal from chewing on the leg. It's like a sour apple or something like that. You know, instead of being like mean, like a Tabasco, this mm -hmm. is like some bitter thing that they don't like. So, I mean, if you're really worried about puppy and chewing, you probably need to be aggressive and just coat the legs of your chair with that to start with. I need a gallon. I need a gallon of this. <laughs> what about rugs, Tara? That's something I really struggle with because it never fails. If I bring a new rug into my home within two days, a pet has found the rug. Well, I don't know if you saw that layering of rug upon rug in the book in my personal home. Because, you know, you'll see these huge hides over these immense you know, rugs. I'll never forget, I was dating my husband. We got married in 07. I was dating my husband. I left Jack Shaw. I said, why don't you stay at my house and you're going to take care of Jack Shaw, who was the, you know, my whippet. And I came home, all my custom rugs were destroyed. He had given Jack Shaw a bone. Now, you know, I had never given Jack Shaw a bone. I, you know, this is, I'm like, how could this have happened? Well, I really didn't say anything. I bought big hides and put it on top of the custom rugs because, you know, accidents happen. And another thing. <laughs> That's is, brilliant. That is brilliant. Another thing is, you know, at one time I was so attracted to those beautiful banana silks and rugs. Now, banana silk is really, it's viscose. You can't really clean it or it just opens up like an artichoke, which is not really the best look for your beautiful rug after it's cleaned. So I now, I only buy natural products like wool because you can clean wool, you can clean natural fibers. You cannot clean sisal, big heads up. But so I try and stay with organics because you can clean that. I love your layering the rugs. That, that, that really is brilliant. And I did see that in your book. I thought, I, you know, I've never seen that before. I love that. I mean, I've seen layering rugs, but um, yeah, just the way you did that is beautiful. Well, that's just because of uh, my husband, Robert Walsh, uh, <laughs> you know, 
he, he never had a dog, I don't believe. So dog <laughs> with bones inside, no good, equal layering of rugs. Well, that's what good design is. It, it allows you to live more, more happily in your home. And yes. that's exactly what yes. you did. <laughs> yes. And I love what you say about how your home should read like a biography of your life. I love that, Tara. I've never heard that before. I really love that. So, uh, you know, I've seen so much repetitive design. Yes. And I just want to free people. You know, we're all so unique. I mean, there's not another one like us. And I, really, our home should represent that. So um, I hope, you know, that trickles down into other people reading the book and just being free to be who they are and yes. embrace what they're drawn to. Yes, it's definitely made me rethink the way that I want to design my own new home. It has. It has completely freed me up. Like you said, it's very freeing to think that, you know, I don't have to have the same iron lamps that I see in every magazine. And yeah, I just, I love your ideas. They're just they're great. They're great ideas. Well, we have a lot of listeners who are in their 35 to 40 age range, 45, who are considering doing something, taking a leap of faith, but they're afraid of what other people might think. And this is what Susan and I heard this a while back and we've noticed this ourselves. Women who have accomplished much more than you have will never judge you. It's the people who have not accomplished as much or have this fear of, of stepping out on their own. What do you have to say to women who have an idea, but they're afraid to go for it? So um, I think you really have to validate yourself because you might, you won't get that a lot of times from your peers and you just have to embrace who you are and i i think a lot of times for me finding out who i was through furniture was such a gift because i made my own formula that wasn't somebody else's formula mm. so then you're going to start feeling really comfortable in your surroundings and um you know it it it'll start validating you because then your friends come over and they'll say oh my gosh look at you and you know one way or the other you've got to follow your heart because if you don't you're gonna you're gonna every five years or three years you're not going to feel at ease in your own home and then it starts to cycle again. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is good advice mm -hmm. to validate advice. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, I feel like as women, a lot of times we don't really, we are not loving ourselves. You know, we're hypercritical. We see things we do wrong, you know, instead of validating 
who we are, you know, oh my gosh, what a, you know, what awesome mom I am, or, you know, I really do have good ideas. So instead of listening to all that negative talk, you've got to start really loving yourself. And I, I think, you know, just by looking at design as a journey, not something that you're going to accomplish in a month, but just looking at it as a journey and just self-exploration and furniture and furniture styles, that's what I so loved because I learned a lot about myself. I, can, I, love, <laughs> I love that. I love that because I think to keep growing and learning as a person and being open to change is so important. And if your house reflects that, then um, it just encourages you to to not feel like everything is set in stone, that things can change and you can do things differently. And um, you can continue to grow and, and change as a person. Right. My house today does not look a thing like it looked 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago five years ago. Why? It's not that I threw my furniture away, but I moved it around. I rethought it. I added mid-century. I added photography. I would switch out art, you know, and move this art upstairs. So that's what I love about, um, you know, buying antiquity because it's really, it's, you're in it. You're in it for the long haul. It might move from room to room or art. It can move from room to room and you would reinvent it. And then when you rediscover your passion, let's say you love uh, mid-century or you find you have a love for, you know, a certain type of art or, you know, you wanted to collect, start an African, antique African, you know, totem collection or something. There's room for that. And so, you know, it's really your home, when it reads like your biography, it's your layering of your life lessons and the new things that you found you have a love for. I love that. I do too. And I wanted to ask you, Tara, you, uh, I, I know when I'm, this sounds kind of silly maybe, but when I'm in the shower, <laughs> that's when my ideas come. I get out of the shower and I go, oh, I got to go write this down. This is, why haven't I thought about this before? Where are you when these ideas come to you? Is there a certain place that, that you find that you're in when you have a flood of ideas? Um, you know, it's so interesting that you said that. I have a dear friend that's been one of my friends since I moved to New Orleans. Her name's Shannon Prince. And she said to me the other day, I get all my ideas in the shower. I'm like, this, wow, something's wrong with me. I get no ideas in the shower. So have, I, don't you know, I think it's so adorable that you said that. Wait till I tell her. So a lot of times, I'm juggling a lot of balls during the day. I don't necessarily get ideas when I'm in the middle of juggling. But what I do is I go to bed and it, it's so interesting. 
I'll go to bed, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm praying about it. I'll wake up the next day and I'll have the answer. That's me. <laughs> I'm like this. Okay, now girls, this is what we're going to do. And it's so amazing at the way that comes. I'll never forget, I was working on a project and I... I kept rolling it around in my head and I thought, wow, I don't know what to do there. Bada bing in the middle of the night, these German <laughs> faucets manifested themselves into my brain. I'm like this, ah, I have it, I have it. So yeah, so uh, Susan and I are on the same page and Heather, <laughs> you and Shannon are on the same page. We were the perfect four traveling companions. That, that validated it right there. We're ready. Right. Well, we have enjoyed this so much, Tara. I cannot tell you how much we've enjoyed our time with you. You are lovely. Thank you. I, you know, I'm delighted. I, I am new to podcasts, so I, I'm just so excited to be on y'all's podcast. Thank you so oh. much, Tara. Thank you. You are so sweet to do this and just a treasure to visit with. This is Kim Dennison with Dennison Travel. Dennison Travel is a boutique travel advisory, and we specialize in custom-making itineraries that are designed just for you. We handle each detail, big and small, so that you can sit back, immerse yourself in the experience, and enjoy the journey. When you're ready to travel again, we're here for you, so let us be your travel planning partner. Connect with us at denisontravel.com, and don't forget to follow us on social.